0: to keep it 2000, a joke that turned into a wrestling podcast that has revealed itself to be a psychological experiment. We are proudly part of the post-wrestling family. I am Brian Mann, and joining me is my my fellow test subject, Nate Milton. Uh, Nate, I know it's not quite your birthday, but I gotta tell you, I have a very special tape here I'd like to play for everybody.
1: Interesting. I I mean, is uh, is it a tape that involves several various wrestling holds that could be taken (laughs) out of context because I don't think that uh, I'd be interested in that or the listeners uh, who are tuning in this week for another edition of the universe's favorite interracial cross-generational pop culture and pro wrestling show dedicated to the genius of one Vincent James Russo. I don't think the people want that this week, Brian.
0: Okay, Nate, you're right. But, But I do think the tape people want to hear is you and I discussing what no spoiler might be the worst episode of nitro we've seen so far i i realized it was about an hour 20 before i liked anything that i saw on my television before we get to that let's go ahead and introduce this week's guest test subject uh you've seen his work on wwe.com zach linder is here with us this is a
2: beautiful apartment in (laughs) in williamsburg brooklyn Or I guess it's technically Greenpoint because we're north of the BQE. The zip
0: code literally starts right at my street.
2: So I don't know if I'm giving away too much top secret information, but the moment I walked into this apartment, I have not been able to stop complimenting Brian... (laughs) On his interior decorator choices,
0: I I appreciate that. My biggest choice was taking down almost all of my wrestling shit uh, last year. (laughs) There's like a stack of framed wrestling drawings in my uh, in my office that uh, will not live out here, but will be in the office. I have
2: I have two kind of wrestling areas in my apartment. One, I have a wall, so I have this desk, and above my desk, I have some framed wrestling things from throughout my life, and then um, I have the Intercontinental Title, an actual Intercontinental Title that was. Um, uh, gifted to me while right. I was working at WWE, and that's kind of sitting on. And my is bookshelf. it a, a white strap? Or it's black. the white strap. Okay. Yeah, it's the Ooh. white strap. Mm-hmm. It's after Cody Rhodes yep. reintroduced it, but it has the scratch logo on
0: it. Yep, I remember that one. I, I was there for when Cody uh, pitched bringing back the white title, and it was only supposed to be temporary. And here we are. Still here we there. are. Uh, eight years or seven, se- six or seven years later. Here we are in Greenpoint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Zach, first of all, I gotta, I gotta ask you to get people up to date. What were your, I guess, what, A, is your history with wrestling? Uh, I know you're more of a, you know, WWF guy. You're, you're, you're coming uh, to us from the Northern Territories. Uh, but what were you watching in the year 2000? Yeah, the territory
2: of Great Neck, New York, brother.
0: <laughs> Home of the Persians and the Hasids,
2: and they're, they're pushing the Ashkenazis out, brother. They're running ice cold. Um, I, uh, my, The first pay-per-view I ever saw was Royal Rumble 1992, okay. um, which is, I think, widely considered one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time, and I was lucky to have that as my first one. My buddy, uh, when I was uh, eight years old, Evan mm-hmm. Rabinowitz— uh, was watching wrestling and Evan invited me over to, to watch Royal Rumble 92 and I thought this is amazing. Mm. Uh, Evan's dad then took a few of us to a house show at the Nassau Coliseum. I didn't know it was a house show at the time but I remember seeing Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. I remember seeing Money Inc. versus the Natural Disasters. I'm sorry. And I remember watch. I, I kind of <laughs> fell out. I wasn't really watching that year. Yeah. But then I remember being really excited for Royal Rumble 93 and the debut of Raw that same month. Right. And then being really into WrestleMania 9. Mm-hmm. And then after WrestleMania 9, kind of dropping off after the the King of the first King of the Ring pay-per-view. Okay. Right? And I stopped watching for several years. Mm-hmm. And then I remember being a teenager. Right. And seeing a pay-per-view commercial for In Your House Rock Bottom. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. And I thought it
2: was, I was like, who are these guys? Where's (laughs) Mr. Perfect? You know? And, um, where's Kamala? And, um, uh, I, uh, I, I I kind of dove back in, and I became obsessed mm-hmm. with, like, really much more of a fan at that beginning. You know, that was right. obviously the height of wrestling.
0: And were you just WWE? Always just WWE. You never watched WCW? I
2: never watched WCW. I had the WCW—I um, knew about WCW, right. but it always confused me. Yeah. Um, and I had the um, I had the trading cards, mm-hmm. WCW trading cards from the early 90s
0: Okay, that mm-hmm. are like the
2: yellow and lime green. Because I had their yes. like,
0: magic game. It was the WCW Mayhem card game. I remember I had that. Oh, it's wow. like Jeff Jarrett has like his, his guitar shots worth like minus two life points or something like that. And Buff Bagwell's strut is worth no, no, five is, charisma points. This
2: is way before that. This is early 90s. Like we're talking like El Gigante mm-hmm. and Dutch yep. Mantel. These were the guys on the cards. Right? right? And uh, yeah, Nate knows what I'm talking about.
1: And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Nitro... every time I got a pack, I was hoping I would get a Sting or or even a Barry Wyndham, but it it was always Missy Hyatt, and I was just like another Missy Hyatt. Hey, she does well in the Beckett Guide, brother.
0: <laughs> um, so, well, I was gonna ask, was this the first episode of Nitro that you ever? No, 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 watched? no. I, I had I had seen Nitro before. Okay, but but wait, hold on. Let me let me finish my story, <laughs> Brian. Um, so, I don't
2: remember the first time we met. However. Yes. I do remember this and I don't know if you remember this. Okay. But I remember seeing you at a Ring of Honor show.
0: Okay. In the lobby of the Manhattan. <laughs> Back when I would go to those. <laughs> And I, I think it might have been the show where... If it was at Manhattan, I believe that was the one where they did like the New Japan show for yes. the first time, and there was like uh, uh, Steen and, and and Nakamura was on that show. Right, that's, yeah. the,
2: that's the exact match I was going to bring up. And I, this was right after uh, a piece that I had done for WW.com mm-hmm. called, it was it was called The Ring of Honor Influence. Right, I remember when that came out. And I had interviewed all these guys for it, and then there was a whole falling out where Triple H got mad about it, and we changed right. its name to the Indie Influence. Mm-hmm. But Joker cough yep who runs ring of honor uh emailed i believe he emailed me and we struck up kind of a a bit of a friendship right and he he was very thankful for me for writing that piece and he invited me and a couple of other editors to come to the the show Mm -hmm. and that show was maybe the drunkest i've ever been in my life
0: i was pretty gone that night too
2: i was so (laughs) drunk yeah me and David Shoemaker talk about it yes. all the time, actually. Yep. We talk about that night all the time. And regardless, I remember seeing you in the lobby yeah. and giving you chops. Do you remember
0: this? Chops? Yeah, like Ric Flair woo chops. On my <laughs> chest? On your chest. I was so drunk. Maybe. I was pretty drunk, too. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> uh, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, Nate, did you have any
1: questions for Zach? I know we went on for <laughs> a
0: little bit. Nate, we don't have I mean, time. I, I, we're moving on.
1: Were these chops at uh, the Ring of Honor show, were they uh, shirtless or did you have a shirt on?
0: Yeah, yeah. I demanded no. Brian take his shirt off <laughs> to give him drunken chops. Hey, you're that guy from Twitter. Take your shirt off for me. <laughs> um, now, we've got- we've Put it gotten, on the glass. Uh, <laughs> So we know where Zach was at in the year 2000. Before we get into this Nitro, let's take a pause and take a look at where the music charts were the night of this Nitro. There's a new number one, Nate, uh, the day of this Nitro, and it is, are you ready for it, Bent by Matchbox 20.
2: Look, brother, it wasn't the too cool theme song. I
1: wasn't (laughs) listening to
0: it.
1: (laughs) How in the hell did Matchbox 20 have a number one song four years after their debut slash peak? I mean,
0: I think this uh, this album, Mad Season, was a big hit, or at least we've talked about this several times, Nate. This was a different time period where the industry could just force something into being a number one song because of radio plays. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Brian.
1: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. I figured out how this is number one Uh because it ties back to one of the earlier themes of this podcast when we first began. Yep. He got the Carlos Santana rub. Oh, that's
0: right. He was coming off of Smooth, so people wanted to hear uh, what was next for Rob Thomas. Oh, that's the yes. guy. Yeah, that's the guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is he third-eye blind?
0: Yes. He's okay. all of them. Got it. <laughs> he's Oasis. He's, he's not Oasis. <laughs> I know Oasis.
2: You can't love— All
0: right. He's Savage Garden. Oh. He's uh, he's all of it. Okay. Oh, what are you saying, Nate? Sorry.
1: They were like really hot in 96, like, 97, because they were— uh, big when I was starting college. You know, uh, what was it? Uh, they did Superman, right? Or Kryptonite. No, that's, that's three doors, three doors down. Doors this the- is Mad
0: Rock's <laughs> <story>. <laughs> Nate,
2: I think Nate is proving my point. I will, I will tell t- t- you this. I knew very little about
0: music, uh, at, time? music at that okay. time. <laughs> and
2: any band that I did know about, mm-hmm. and I, I shit you not, Was because they were uh, an ECW theme song. (laughs) So at this time, when I was like at at my peak, you knew Pantera,
0: you knew Metallica.
2: Alice in Chains. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe Smashing Pumpkins. Mm -hmm. uh, But yeah, so I I was really, really into ECW. Right. ECW was my jam. As much as I liked WWF at the time, I was going to the Elks Lodge on Queens Boulevard. Yeah. All the time Mm -hmm. in that period,
0: and Balls Mahoney wasn't coming out to bit by Matchbox (laughs) Twenty.
2: No, no, no. Uh, Tajiri
0: was. (laughs) Uh, Brian's drinking tea. I'm drinking tea. Uh, It's been a long day. Uh, Nate, any closing any closing thoughts on Matchbox Twenty?
1: No, it's just now because I had to look it up because I I knew they had a song that I remembered, (laughs) but I didn't know what that song was. And it was. they, They have
0: tons of hits. A push, uh, 3 a.m., I know. Uh, there's a, I'll do 3 a.m. at karaoke, but Bent, I do not remember. Even though I owned the album before this, I definitely owned on CD. Well, now that I've made that confession, we've waited long enough. Let's get into this week's Nitro. No! <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but before we
2: start talking about the yes. episode. So, I remember being aware of Nitro in mm-hmm. this time period and it being a mess. Yes, you messaged me earlier today yes. saying, "This is I'm sorry you watched this because this is maybe the worst episode we've ever watched.
0: I would say so far, this is the worst one that comes to my mind.
2: So I am shocked because, and I deliberately did not respond to you because I wanted to respond on the podcast. Okay. It was not nearly as... Now, I, I want to preface by saying yes. this is a bad wrestling show. Yes. But it was not nearly as bad as, bad as other... Clips and shows of mm-hmm. Nitro that I have seen since then, and as bad as I remember it being, it there were very definitive segments. There right. were clearly defined storylines on mm-hmm. this episode. I know we're gonna get into all of it, right. but it was not the mess of Vince Russo winning the world title and 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 like. We not still even, Nate and I
0: still definitely have that to look forward to.
2: And and it's not even like it doesn't even feel like a messy show. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't like randomly go from segment to segment where i have seen right. Nitro episodes this this had a f- definite flow to it it had a flow
0: uh sorry i'll let you I'll It let was you. a flow of shit but um <laughs> the show begins with US champion nay Canadian champion Lance Storm walking to the ring storm asks the crowd to ri- storm asks the crowd to rise for the Canadian national anthem the music plays and a Canadian flag is lowered but the crowd boos him storm is upset At the lack of respect, and says that the crowd should see him as a role model since America has no heroes. On commentary, Scott Hudson takes offense and says, What about Tiger Woods? What about Lance Armstrong? This quote did not age well (laughs) (laughs) in the year 2018. Storm then offers an open challenge, which is answered by Big Vito. Vito calls Storm a Canadian piece of shit, and Storm makes the match title versus title. Vito accepts and Storm attacks him. Vito comes back with a pair of clotheslines, then goes outside to grab a baseball bat and a traffic cone. He places the cone on Storm's crotch and takes a swing. His, tradem- his, his trademark spot now. I think this is three weeks in a row. Vito goes outside, gets a ta- Vito goes outside to get a table from under the ring, but he can't find it, so he gives up and comes back inside. <laughs> Vito hits an Impaler DDT, but only gets a two. Vito attempts a German suplex, but Storm counters and locks him in the Canadian Maple Leaf for the win, making him a double champion. Um, I think the best I can say here is that Vito didn't entirely embarrass himself here. He he kept up pretty well. Um, And I was okay with us not getting a proper build. I'm okay with us hot-shotting to Lance Storm being a double champion.
2: Um, So so of all the things that I had heard about, Nitro during this time period Mm -hmm. when I was watching... Uh, WWF. The one of the things I remember the most right. is this period with Lance Storm, right. where he, spoiler alert, becomes a triple champion. And he
0: he is the bright spot right here. My high my hopes were really high when we started with this, but this they a, were. This is a great segment. The mm-hmm. match is not
2: awful. It's we not had dessert terrible. before dinner on this episode, for and sure. um, and I remember the, just the the storyline that came after this, where he renames all the titles, right? And I think it's like, people make fun of it now. Mm-hmm. I think it's really— I'm fine with it. I think it's a really smart angle.
0: Mm-hmm. And I a like really
2: a lot. smart use of Lance Storm.
1: Yeah, and this is why your words kind of confused me a bit, Brian, man, when we when we fired up this episode. Because WCW gets a lot of flack. Much of it mm-hmm. justified. But I didn't hate, like, the first 30 minutes of this show. Okay. I thought— First of all, I thought Vince Russo showed remarkable restraint by Vince Russo's standards, just for the mere fact that he let the entire Canadian anthem play. Yes, like that. The fact, because I'm sitting there watching, I'm like, wait a minute, are they actually going through the entire song? I, I, I like this, and Lance is just standing there all stoic and and look doing his best uh, Paul Ryan impression. Uh, what? And then <laughs> wait, hold on. <laughs> what are you talking about? He he had to pay- I it. mean, Lance. Lance Storm is very Paul Ryan-ish on this episode to me. You know, he's he's coming out here pointing the finger at the downtrodden people of America. You need to do better. I'm sure Lance has some fiscal responsibility uh, promos in his back pocket that he just didn't so break out on this episode. So you think
2: Lance Storm is out there to simplify the tax code?
0: <laughs> yes. And uh, and to and to. Uh, uh, I, I thought it's because he's like Paul Ryan because he quit at the beginning of the episode and isn't going to be here for the rest <laughs> of,
1: of, of the episode. No, he tenure. shows up later. <laughs> he, he shows up at the end. Yes. And, and the other thing, though, and, and, and you guys are talking about it, for an opening match, which we've seen a lot of opening matches on, on uh, this program, Brian, particularly the hardcore variety. Yeah. And they're never really that good. I thought this was a, a pretty good match by those standards. I thought Vito didn't embarrass match. himself. Yeah
0: it was it was kind uh, of a
1: hardcore match. So we had it to, had just we just, had the just enough, <laughs> yeah, just the right elements of hardcore for me. Cause I I'm not a fan of WCW style hardcore matches. Uh, but I thought the the finishing sequence when mm-hmm. they were both going with the kicks back and forth on each other, I thought that was a cool little sequence. And you know, you get another example of Lance Storm being put over. And and so I thought, for what this segment was designed to do, I thought that both parties performed well, and uh, it wasn't. It wasn't the terrible opening segments that we've seen in the, in the past on this program, Brian. So, so far, I'm, I'm enjoying the program. Okay.
2: I guess it was really more of a softcore match.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, we'll, we'll get the softcore later. There's some softcore oh, matches yeah, later. That, yeah. yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah. So, let's see if this train keeps running. After the break, <laughs> WCW World Champion Booker T makes his way out as we see footage of Jarrett attacking him on Thunder. Booker tells Jarrett to quote save the drama for your mama and don't hate the player, hate the game. It's catchphrase night for Booker. He's got to get him all over. He's a main eventer now. Goldberg comes out and says that he never had an issue with Booker until he stuck his nose into his business last week. Goldberg reminds Booker that he promised a world title defense every Monday and that he wants the shot tonight. Booker accepts, but the cat walks out. The cat tells Goldberg he is the boss and that Goldberg doesn't choose Booker's opponents. Kat says the fans will choose Booker's opponent on WCW.com. This is the year 2000, so the fans in the arena boo because they have no way of voting, and the, rea- and the <laughs> announcers react like this is a ridiculous idea. Miller says the fans can choose from 10 wrestlers, including Sting. Yes, Sting, who has not been on TV in months since he was burned alive in May, could potentially return for a title shot with zero build tonight. The cat then threatens Goldberg, so Goldberg attacks him. Booker then makes the save, causing Book and Bill to brawl until security pulls them apart. Um, We kind of keep saying it, Nate. I have no idea why we're not just building towards Goldberg and Booker at this pay per view instead Mm -hmm. of. uh, We we got Booker and Jeff Jarrett for some reason.
1: And again, Booker. You know, he's not The Rock, even though they, they, they want him to fit that mold. You know, he's not Ric Flair. He's not Stone Cold. But his promo style, to me, it comes across as very earnest. He's yes. he's more in that DDT vein uh, uh, of, a, of a babyface promo, mm-hmm. where this is a D- guy DDP? that's worked from the— Yeah, DDP. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, DDP had that whole aesthetic of I'm a guy that worked hard to get where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I'm not this polished promo, but I'm telling you from my heart. And I felt that's kind of the connection Booker had with the crowd. Uh, And so I I enjoyed that. The heel, question mark, Goldberg uh, part in the middle still doesn't quite jive, particularly when Ernest Miller comes in. Because then we've got the cat who's a face who's playing heel versus Goldberg who's really a face but he's playing heel. It, It just didn't quite mesh for me. Uh, but I thought the pull apart was, was impressive. And yes, mm-hmm. this is the, the, the WCW.com stuff was very convoluted, but, uh, I think Booker and Goldberg to me came across looking like, yeah, this is what we should be building to. This is what we should be ostensibly getting people to pay for. Cause that's the idea of a pay-per-view at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, they, they had to get the, uh, get the website over. Yep.
2: I I think the the fact that they did this on, despite how it turned out later yeah.
1: yeah it is really
2: smart of them to be mm-hmm. doing this dot com stuff in in 2000 yeah I mean this is really ahead of its time mm-hmm. we were we were testing out that stuff when I was at
0: WWE dot com and this is four years before Cyber Sunday which was the first time WWE really got into that water
2: it's it's really really groundbreaking mm-hmm. and and despite it kind of. Shitting the bed. I can curse on this thing, right? Yes. (laughs) Thank (laughs) fuck. Uh, Despite the whole thing kind of shitting the bed later in the show, the idea of it Mm -hmm. is great. It's a quality idea. I have two questions, though, regarding this. Yes. Number one, um, why is the cat the commissioner? Like, how did he become the commissioner? And why was he not a full-time wrestler at this time?
0: Well, he was kind of the lackey, so to say, of Bischoff and Russo. And then Bischoff and Russo just took themselves off TV abruptly one week. And so Kat just kind of became the commissioner.
2: Okay. Um, Second, how did Goldberg turn heel?
0: Uh, He turned heel by siding with Russo and Bischoff. And then it didn't really click. So last week he turned babyface by asking a crew member how his day was. That was literally the entire (laughs) babyface turn, was him just not being a dick to one coworker.
2: All right, well... That's something. Um, One more question. Yes. Why was Sting off TV? Is there a legitimate reason, or do they just keep him off TV to build anticipation for Sting? Uh,
0: Vampiro burned him alive.
2: Well, I know that kayfabe, right? Yes. But but was he— I don't think he had any— He
0: didn't have an injury. He He wasn't filming anything. Time with the family? It might have just been some time off, but he literally had just come back from time off shooting a movie— Two months before that, what movie was he in? Uh What was oh, the name of it? Uh, Nate, it was a TNT original with Daisy Fuentes. All right, never mind. Yes, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> the great, the great
1: original classic Shutter Speed, starring Shutter Speed. Sting. Yes, and MTV uh, fave Daisy Fuentes.
0: I prefer her as America's Funniest Home Videos. Daisy Fuentes, thank you very much. <laughs> we go to the announcers' table where Billy Kidman is seated with the commentators. Shivani calls tonight's web. uh Shivani calls tonight's web voting a history-making moment in wrestling. We are then shown the list... He's of right. The, he's he's right. That This absolutely was head of the, the curve. We are then shown a list of the 10 men who can be voted on. Goldberg, Sting, Billy Kidman, Lance Storm, Mike Awesome, Canyon, Buff Bagwell, the franchise, Stevie Ray, and Vampiro. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> questionable list. I also maybe wouldn't have done yes. 10. Uh, but I... <laughs> we talked about the, the digital voting aspect of this. I actually wouldn't have hated... Um, if they just kind of did this if WCW just sort of said well we're gonna be the kind of internet promotion because they desperately need a hook and I think if they just been the hook of like hey uh Booker said I'm gonna defend my title every week and at noon on WCW.com we're gonna give you the four names of who it might be and you guys get to vote and we're gonna stay true to who you guys picked um because I think it's fairly obvious they work these numbers uh when we get to later my big thing is why to get that sense i I mean when it was perfectly thirty five to thirty percent that I kind of got that 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 feeling but I, I just wonder why ten and why these ten <laughs> that was just my big question
1: well, I think this' is another example of wCW having a pretty cool idea mm-hmm. but not following through with the execution. We've seen this with things like having a live DJ at the Nitro tapings or, you know, having Nitro girls as this kind of cheerleader squad. And and like, these are interesting ideas, but when it comes to the implementation of these ideas, it's not always the smoothest. And so, yeah, I wouldn't have put 10 guys on the list because it makes people like Billy Kidman look like a punk when he's not even getting 5% of the vote. Uh, I, I would have limited it to, you know, four, maybe five guys tops. But, uh, you know, it's a good idea, so I guess you got to give him credit for trying.
0: Yeah, I would have liked it if it had been four. Maybe these guys could have cut promos on the show asking for votes or something like that. Um, But, you know, uh, this is the last time I think they do it, so we can't necessarily see it uh, improve. (laughs) This is where I'm going to start challenging you guys. You said this wasn't a terrible wrestling show because David Flair and Miss Hancock made their way out. Mm. As Kidman tells the announcers that he has brought a sex tape of him and Tori Wilson. This is such a banner year for uh, for Billy Kidman, Nate. Uh, he has done both a cucking angle and a revenge porn storyline this year. What is next for Billy Kidman, Nate?
1: <laughs> oh, man, maybe we could rekindle that great Hogan feud from a few <laughs> months earlier. Maybe we can get that on the, on the on the uh, in the pipeline.
2: I forgot about that. That was much earlier than
0: this. This was right before
1: this Is yet? Hogan
2: at this point going to be for good? This is, is right he, after Bash ever, of the Beach. He is and he doesn't come back after never that? never comes back, yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that was the. I remember the Bash at the Beach.
0: I didn't remember that he never comes back. Never comes back. They never even mentioned him because he's suing them by this point. Oh,
2: wow.
0: Uh, Hancock. (laughs) Harry! Hancock and Flair are in matching business attire. They will be in a mixed tag match tonight against Lieutenant Loco and Major Guns. The announcers. The match starts, but all the announcers want to talk about is Billy's sex tape. Scott Hudson changes the topic long enough to tell us that Guns and Hancock will face each other in a rip-the-camouflage-off-in-the-mud match at the pay-per-view. In the ring, Loco chops Flair... That's a mouthful. (laughs) In the ring, Loco chops Flair as Gunn chases Hancock around the ring. The finish comes when Flair holds guns for a cross-body, but... but Guns moves out of the way, so Hancock hits Flair by mistake. Hancock and Flair then argue, which allows Guns to roll up Hancock for the win. After the match, Flair holds Guns so Hancock can rip off her shirt. Guns is embarrassed and covers up, forgetting that she usually rips her own shirt off every week. (laughs) Chavo then attacks Flair from behind and clotheslines him out of the ring. I'm going to lay this one at your guys' feet so you can defend this one. Uh, Nate, you said you liked the first 30 minutes of this show, and I think we're at minute 12 right now.
1: I mean, when when you're up here on the satellite, I hate Brian, man. Space and time—it's a nebulous, uh, abstract thing. So, what might be 12 minutes for you feels like an hour for me. So I'm not—I'm not even counting this part. Uh, but but uh, to be fair to this match, though, I will defend two points. Number one, the match name for the upcoming pay-per-view yes. is an ROTC match. Rip off the camouflage. So uh, that's yes. Cra- Credit to whoever came up with that little wordplay. But didn't Booker uh, but,
0: and, and, and and Sean Cese just have an ROTC match? Or is that a boot camp match? They had a boot camp match. Okay, sorry. Different, different <laughs> part of the facility. Was there ever a honor dishonorably discharged match? Uh, I think that would come uh, in March of the next year. Oh, okay, right, right. <laughs> Shane
2: McMahon had that match. Oh,
1: <laughs> uh, but, but the second point, Brian, man, and you mentioned it, is the uh, the, the sartorial choice of one David Flair kind of being a, a pioneer of wrestling in the in the business attire yes and in my head Canon like uh, a young low-key was sitting there somewhere watching this and like <laughs> that, that's a good look brother
0: well he was just taking his dad's gimmick because his dad hasn't worn wrestling attire for like six no, months he, he has uh, Zach what were your thoughts watching this at home so
2: y- yeah I mean this isn't great television right yeah. we're not watching a better <laughs> call song right but at the same time, segments like this, to me, Mm -hmm. were not why WCW failed. Okay. And not why people make fun of WCW. Mm -hmm. This wasn't, um, this kind of, like, nonsensical, um, you know, ruining the integrity of their titles.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Chavo was the Cruiserweight Champion at this point. This is what he's being Yeah,
2: but it's, it's, but at this, it didn't matter, right? This was, as, look, I'm not saying it's right, especially in 2018, (laughs) but... This was your (laughs) classic wrestling show Mm -hmm. TNA segment. Right. Right? And every wrestling show had at least one at the time. Mm -hmm. It was fine. Yeah. It's entertaining. Um, It was eye candy for Mm -hmm. the men. Um, But I guess
0: the thing was with WCW was before Russo comes in, They didn't do stuff like this. This wasn't a part of WCW shows. They didn't do the TNA segment. That wasn't anything they really wanted. And it's interesting because... That's um, not
2: entirely true because they, they had, you know... Ma- Macho they Macho like spring break and things like they that. They had Gorgeous George, Macho Man's person,
0: and uh um, But that started happening. They had the Nitro girls. They and had, and that's the thing, the Nitro Girls with the kind of the extent. Like they had cheerleaders, so they still had it as a part of the show, but they didn't have women ripping each other's clothes off, they didn't do catfight segments, they didn't necessarily have things like that. I'm
2: I'm not I'm not against having a segment like this mm-hmm. on a show like this in the year two thousand. Okay. I think it's like I and, I and I and honestly, you know, WWF had begun to
0: succeed with mm. segments like that, right. And with people like Sable. But what's interesting is that at, at this time period, um, Eric Bischoff had actually uh, commissioned a survey of WCW, the WCW audience, asking what they wanted. Because in mid '99, they started to copy WWE a little bit. They started bringing in some ECW people, and right. it really wasn't working. So they asked the WCW fans what they wanted, and the results came back and saying. We want classic wrestling matches. We want longer matches. We want clean finishes. They wanted a return to the kind of NWA product. The problem was the results of that survey didn't come back until Vince Russo was in charge, and he just ignored them (laughs) completely. Uh, But I think what, what, what was happening here was a fundamental misunderstanding of what this audience wanted. And if you wanted the cat fight thing, you got ECW. If you want the TNA thing, WWF's doing it. Other companies are already doing this, and they're doing it better. And WCW was just abandoned what they were known for and what they were good at doing um, uh, in, in the years previous. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we go to the Cat's office. Uh, or <clears throat> Jeff Jarrett storms into the Cat's office and demands a title shot tonight. Cat tells Jarrett he's going to make it easy, he's going to give him a title shot, but it's against Chronic for the tag titles. We then go to Pamela Polshuk, who interviews a masked man in all black. The man begins talking, and it actually is Stephen Borden's voice. So we're—the man starts to talk, and we actually do hear Steve Borden's voice. Maybe he was there, maybe he wasn't, I cannot tell. But we are teasing that he is fully covered in burns. He promises that he will not only win the title, but he will reveal his face, despite what the WCW commission wants. Um, so Nate, here we go. Second week in a row, Boogeyman, Oogie Boogie, uh, uh a burn victim, uh, might reveal his face on television.
1: Yeah. And for me, I was trying to tell, was this actual Sting or were, were they, at this point of the show, were they piping in, you know, uh, uh playing a voiceover? The words, uh, but really, was- the,
0: the, the words in the mouth really s- synced up, but, uh, that man who's in the <laughs> arena was easily 70 pounds
1: lighter than Sting. Yeah. Well, the other thing was Sting saying, uh, you know, I've I'm gonna stick it to the to the corporate people in the back. Like that that's not a stained thing to say. No. Like did did the did the burns also affect his personality? Like that <laughs> that was my biggest issue with this particular interview segment. It like it didn't really feel true fire. to the characters thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Elsewhere, Mike Tanay interviews Goldberg. Goldberg calls the fan voting a damn good thing because they're guaranteed to pick him. And if they don't, he'll kick the ass of whoever gets picked. So wait, he was he had he was a babyface again because he was nice to a <laughs> coworker last yes, week? Yes. But it's weird in this show like it's literally it's like they flipped a coin before every Goldberg segment cuz sometimes he's a babyface, yep. sometimes he's a heel. He's he was running total heel. You thought so? Oh yeah. In okay. this I was like, "Oh, he's a, he
2: he must have turned heel at some point because right. on this show he's a heel. I don't remember that." And I certainly didn't know what you just told me uh, earlier about last week. So to me, it's very clear that Goldberg is still a
1: heel. heel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and there's still like, so there's, there's like a smattering of fans in the audience that still have like their Goldberg heel signs. Exactly. So I don't even think they know.
0: We go to Chronic's locker room where Brian Adams exits and tells Brian Clark that it's match time. We then go inside the locker room, though, to reveal that Brian Clark has been laid out by a guitar shot. Jeff Jarrett then walks out into the arena, and the announcers wonder how he made it out so fast. Presumably, uh, how he made it out so fast after presumably attacking Clark. They tease that maybe someone else did it. This goes nowhere. I think it's just a production fuck up that they played the pre tape too late in the show. Chronics, Chronic's music plays, and Adams walks out looking for his partner. On commentary, Tony informs us that WCW.com has crashed. So you know, good good news there. Our match starts not so- built on a good CMS. <laughs> This our isn't a, this isn't a Drupal situation. <laughs> our match starts, so it's That's a, s- a Drupal joke. <laughs> I've I I don't have as much dot com experience. Um, our match starts, so it's a singles match for the tag titles. Adam sits a tilt to world Adam sits a tilt a world backbreaker for a 2. Jarrett comes off the ropes and counters a sidewalk slam with a DDT for a 2 of his own. Adam hits a cobra clutch, followed with a big boot and a leg drop for a 2. Madden throws in the comment that move never wins, confirming that Hulk Hogan is gone for good from this company. <laughs> Brian Clark then comes down with a busted gu- Brian Clark then comes down with a busted guitar and jabs Jarrett in the throat with it. Kronik takes Jarrett to the floor and attempts a high times onto the announcer's table. The ref tries to block the move, so Kronik instead puts the ref through the table as Jarrett flees to the crowd. Uh, This segment really made no sense. Um, I don't see how this was supposed to build anyone involved in it. But I think the most confusing part was the fact that it went six minutes. This was so
1: fucking long. (laughs) No, Brian, man. I I will tell you the most confusing part, and... I think I might have to throw a flag on this play. Okay. Because you just uh, laid out for the listeners a segment in which we saw, which one was it, Clark or Adams? That Clark was laid got out. laid out. Okay, so Adams is at their locker room saying, hey, buddy, it's time to get ready. Then the next time we see Adams, he's looking around coming out to the ring like, where's my partner? So you're telling me at no time, Brian Adams, did you think, huh, Maybe you know, maybe he had his headphones on. Or maybe you know yeah. he was in the bathroom you in should, the locker room. You, you didn't go in the back gorilla and check. Position together. Yeah, yeah. Like like that that part. It to me in a match of things that I had to stretch my disbelief to to uh, accept. That to me was the most unacceptable because uh, you know these guys are supposed to be brothers and, and you don't do your brother like that. <laughs> uh,
0: Zach, what do you think of this? Uh, this?
2: Um. I don't hate it as much as you guys do. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, there needed to be a payoff for who Jeff Jarrett's partner is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that they didn't pay that off kind of yeah, they just
0: forced it into a handicap situation. I don't
2: right mind Jeff Jarrett wrestling Brian Adams though. I don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't mind it. Like those yeah. those two guys, like are, are veteran guys. I'm fine with them mm-hmm. wrestling. I'm fine with them doing an angle with Brian Clark where Jarrett right. lays him out beforehand. I never would have even thought. What the announcers say at the start of how did he get out here so fast? <laughs> we don't know the we don't know the, the ske- layout of the, the schematic of the backstage area of like how close the chronic locker room is to gorilla. Like you right. have no idea. Like
0: just run with it.
2: If they didn't we also, say we don't that,
0: know how how long ago Brian Clark got laid out. There could have been more than enough time for Jared to
2: get out here. So and I think this honestly is a good time to mention that I think by far the worst part of this show. Is the announcers? Yes, yeah, they are. They have two volumes mm-hmm. t- and two real tones. Yeah, loud and louder, mm-hmm. and that is. And they are screaming the entire yeah. show. Mark Madden is awful. Yeah. he gets off one good line. Mm-hmm. Um, Scott Hudson is is the most nondescript announcer I think I've ever heard, you know yeah I, I've ever heard. Um, I, I, there's nothing remarkable about him whatsoever. Sorry if you're listening, Scott. <laughs> and um, and Shivani <laughs> is fine. And Shivani yeah. is like trying to make sense of things, but but he's just yelling all the time because yeah. he's probably told I,
0: I, just yell, Tony. My, my favorite line uh, in terms of Tony's direction is at one point he flat out says, "The trucks tell me to be serious, but we're talking about a sex tape." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and that's, that's that was probably <sighs> a shoot too. So we then go back to the cat's office where Vampiro appears uh, just sitting there in a chair and he offers to take care of the great Muda. Miller agrees and says that he'll be the special referee for the match. Back to Pamela Paulsha who asks Terry about the sex tape Kidman claims to have, but Shane Douglas grabs the mic and interrogates Tory himself. We check in on the WCW fan voting. Sting is leading with 35% to
1: Goldberg. Brian, Brian, Thor- Brian. Man. Yes. I love that uh, you just had a, a beautiful Freudian slip. What did I say? And I, I can't let it slide. Normally I would have let it slide, but I can't let it slide, uh, given our Hogan conversation from earlier. You just talked about Shane Douglas referencing Terry's sex tape. Oh. <laughs> That's beautiful.
0: <laughs> well, uh, beautiful. let me say that again. Pamela asks Tori about the sex tape Kidman claims to have, but Shane Douglas grabs the mic and interrogates Tori himself. We check in with the WCW fan voting. Sting is leading with 35% to Goldberg's 30%, if you want to believe these figures were legit. I just thought the numbers were a little too uh, on the nose. They might
2: have been massaged a little bit, but I don't think that they really changed them too yeah. heavily.
0: I also uh, I had to feel bad for, uh, uh, was it Billy coming in with 1% down at the bottom? 1% of the vote, yeah. <laughs> That's like, what, just, why, why would you do that to that man? Just cap it at four main eventers. So referee, uh, the cat runs down to the ring for Vampiro versus the great Muda. The cat gets in Muda's face and Vampiro attacks Miller from behind. The cat then gets up and takes out ICP and Vampiro. Muda then hits a spin kick to the midsection of Ernest Miller. It was all a swerve. Madden screams the brothers in paint as everyone takes turns beating down on, uh, Ernest Miller. For whatever reason... Ernest Miller rallies and single-handedly clears the ring of everybody. Uh, <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> Nate, what if, what have if we we just weeks ago? Great Muto returned, yeah. got a massive pop. He's aligned with uh, with the Young Dragons, but here we are now. Russo's back, and you know he knows two things: all these guys wear paint, and Japanese people can't get over in
1: America. So this <laughs> is what we're doing. Uh, the only thing, Brian, man, that I enjoyed about this segment was. The spot where Ernest Miller channels Jim Kelly from Enter the Dragon and <laughs> suddenly has the strength to beat up four dudes at the same time. But everything else, like they, the, the way they treated Muda, the face heel dynamic in, in this segment, uh, the the inclusion of uh, your boy Dale Torborg, like none of this none of this made made sense to me right. other than, yeah, we want to get these guys with face paint on the same side of the page. And I think if that's what you wanted to do, there were better ways to do it than this segment.
0: <laughs> One second. Zach was yawning, which I think was uh, probably just his actual diagnosis of the segment. <laughs> um, so, Great Muda
2: returned a few weeks ago yes. before this. Mm-hmm. You just said that. When was the last time he was in WCW before that? Like, the early 90s? Oh, it, yeah.
0: It had to have been a while. So, he did, so
2: he's, like, recently
0: back. Recently back. And yeah. we were even saying, like, you— He's had uh, the like the week before this. He had two matches, and he looked good in both of them. So you you could have. You're obviously not going to put the title on him. He's not probably going to be a main eventer for a long time. But doing a, a one month feud with him and Booker, you know, that could have been something. Absolutely,
2: and Great Mood is I think widely considered one of one of the mm-hmm. greatest of all time. Yeah, is in the list somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, what? Uh, so wait, what was going on with the ICP?
0: Oh, they just returned last <laughs> week out of nowhere. They were
2: like the oddities were done, and they they hopped over to WCW, yep.
0: brother. You know they're just leapfrogging between every promotion. They had been in WCW the year before, and now they were. There. Yes, yes. So now they were now. in WCW and WWE in in 1999. Uh, I think believe they were in WWE in '98. Oddities were definitely around in 99, I think. But I think they were only with them in the beginning in 99, and then they went to ECW, then I would think they went to WCW. And now they're back. Because well, uh, they left WCW to start their own JCW. Yeah, Juggalo Champion, champion, champion Shit Wrestling. Shit wrestling. <laughs> and when they debuted last week, they even plugged, J- <laughs> the announcers plugged JCW and that Vampiro was the uh, champion uh, at the time.
2: There were so many shitty wrestling companies yes. in this period.
0: <laughs> Uh,
2: wait, just a there quick, still are just a quick tangent. Yes, what was worse? <laughs> yes, WCW
0: in two thousand mm-hmm. or XPW in two thousand. Ooh, uh, I don't. I'm not that familiar with XPW because I, I, they got that MTV show two years later,
1: right? No, I'm thinking. No, of, that was Wrestling Society X. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I'm thinking. About. XPW. Yeah. XPW is like the West Coast ECW, right? Yeah, that's what they tried
2: to make it, mm-hmm. and it was run by a porn uh, mogul. Yep. Yes. Um, and uh, they famously, when ECW did their first big show in LA, yeah, which was Heat Wave 2000, mm-hmm. they came and like tried to make a ruckus, and ECW like didn't even acknowledge them. So they said <laughs> there was just a fight in the parking lot. This is like actually a really interesting thing yeah. to go
0: back and watch. Yeah, I've, I don't think I watched any XPW from that time. I remember, I like, I would, I'd get the wrestling magazines, there'd be, like, maybe a page or two about them. They, like, they brought some porn star to do an angle.
2: I remember XPW being a big thing when the magazine, the, the after mags were yep. relaunched with WoW mm. magazine.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you yes. remember this? I remember yes. WoW magazine. With the
2: gold embossed cover, and I was like, wow, this is a yep. big budget magazine! <laughs> this isn't inside wrestling. That's a phrase you don't hear anymore. A big budget magazine. Big budget magazine. <laughs> yeah. Now what we've oh. got is the Ringer <laughs> That I, is the biggest. Hey, I do love. I do love yeah. the Ringer.
1: XPW got me though, Brian. Man, they 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 got me hook, line, and sinker. Off of one of those uh, ads in Wow Magazine because it was like yeah. the first their first big VHS tape, which which gives you a time frame on, on this production. Uh, it, and I think Shane Douglas and Sabu might have been involved with it. Because uh, it had to be some type of hook to get me to spend money on this thing and order it through the mail. And so I got the – I think it was like the best of XPW. And uh, if that was the best, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not a surprise why they didn't catch hold like ECW did.
2: Well, that's that's one for eBay.com. <laughs>
0: well, listen, we uh, I know we don't want to talk about this Nitro, but we do have to get back on, on – Okay, trying. fine. So – we go back to Pamela Paulshuk once again. She is with Booker T, and she asks about his title defense and Goldberg's threat. Booker says tonight is about the fans and guarantees victory before trying out another catchphrase. Booyah, now come and get with ya. Uh Nate, I don't think this one stuck around. I don't think this one got on a T-shirt.
1: No, no, this this wasn't one of his more popular ones. But since we are talking about the champ real quick, I, I want to get Zach's thoughts on on this WCW 2000 version of Booker T. Uh, obviously, somebody that's recently had you know a long connection with the WWE. But going back and looking at Booker in this setting, uh, what did you think of him at the time, Zach?
2: I think we can address it later when we talk about the Goldberg match. But um, obviously, they're really trying to make him into a star. Yeah. And uh, he, he, they're definitely trying to spotlight him. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. They're struggling to spotlight him, but I think but that's that—that's less on him and more on the the ab- company. Yeah. Absolutely, but um, look—he doesn't wrestle a ton on this show. He, yeah. get, he gets color for some reason on he this sure show. He sure does. We'll talk about yeah. it later. But um, I looked at while I was watching this episode. I I looked to because I knew in this period, mm-hmm. the title had lost a lot of integrity and had yeah. been really been hot potato yeah they tried lot. to rehab
0: it with david arquette but that didn't uh that didn't take
2: <laughs> well I, I was like oh this must be one of like booker's like two week title reigns or mm-hmm. something when they just they couldn't keep the belt on anyone yeah. for, for more than uh, a cup of coffee but i looked and he this is in the middle of a this the beginning sizable of his... reign mm-hmm. for him
0: they they decided at this point they were going to go with him and i gotta say honestly uh, for his entire career when it comes to being on the mic this is my favorite era of booker t um, he's not doing the, the bullshit comedy stuff. You know, this was pre weakest link, uh, appearance for WWE just booked him to be a fucking idiot or the King or, uh, you know, you know, staring at well, Vince McMahon saying the N word. But I prefer this serious straight face Booker T that we never got properly in WWE. This
2: is great. He did have, uh, some good moments in WWE early Oh no, he definitely had some good moments. In yeah. 01 and 02. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, th- I think King Booker is tremendous. King Booker is really, really mm-hmm. good.
0: Um, oh no, it's a good character, but I would say just in terms of the Booker T character, not King. If we're separating them as two different uh, kind of characters, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> uh, but I'm just gonna say for for push, pushing him as a serious character, WCW, I think in my in my mind, hands down, did a much better job uh, than WWE did. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Booker comes out for his title defense against an opponent of the fans' choosing, and that opponent is. Sting. Yes, the burn victim Sting comes out fully covered, but Goldberg jumps it from behind. Booker charges the aisle and battles with Goldberg. Booker tends to sting as EMTs load him out on a stretcher. Uh, This may or may not have been Steve Borden. I'm going to say it wasn't. I hope they didn't fly (laughs) Steve Borden uh, to Cleveland for this. Uh, Goldberg then grabs a mic and tells Booker that he's still the man until Booker beats him. Booker accepts Goldberg's, cha- Goldberg's challenge, and the bell rings. So Sting was just a bullshit bait and switch. There, Goldberg hits a press slam, and Booker rolls out to the floor. Goldberg goes outside and rams Booker's shoulder first into the steps, then says "fuck you" to a fan at ringside. <laughs> Booker is now just so so much for babyface
2: Goldberg. So much for babyface Goldberg. Wait, can, can I interrupt you for a quick second? Yeah. There was cursing on this show. There sure was. In the first segment, we did not address it. But Canadian Vito, piece of shit. Yeah. V- Vito sa-
0: says shit on this is TNT. It's like it's like <laughs> eight oh five p.m. Well, I think a lot of these they were uh, they would have been censored live, but I think the WWE Network just plays them without the cuts. Um, if I had to guess, is what happens there. Oh, uh, all right. So Booker is now uh, uh, when they go back to him, he's now bleeding. Uh, somehow he did, he did a blade while Booker while while Goldberg was saying fuck you to a fan. Goldberg then locks locks in a cross arm breaker, but Booker reaches the ropes. Stevie Ray then comes to ringside and tosses in a towel. However, the ref doesn't see it. Goldberg just picks it up and wipes his armpits with it. The cat comes out and says that Goldberg gets the win. However, Booker keeps the title because he didn't quit or get pinned. Um, What was any of this? (laughs) Why did we do the fan voting if this was going to be the pay? If anything, if I was a fan who voted, I'd be more pissed off than anything else uh, by this. Um... And also, as confusing as it as it was, I would say this is probably the first watchable segment in a while uh, at this point in the show. I I didn't think it was totally terrible. I just thought the the set dressing around it um, was very questionable. I think that uh, I'm
2: fine with having Goldberg um, knock out quote unquote Sting right Mm -hmm. for heat. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I do think they needed to do a better job of, if they're going to do this dot-com voting, mm-hmm. you need to pay that off for real and then
0: right. find another mm-hmm. way to get Goldberg heat. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't I don't hate what they did. Yeah. But also, this being the first time, if they ever tried to go back to it, the fans mm-hmm. say, fuck you. Like, you're not—no. Right. They, they've— they they've, killed it the first night out. They've ruined the, the integrity
2: with I keep going back to that word, as you notice. But mm-hmm. um, it's not terrible. Yeah. It's not as bad as I think you're maybe making it out to be. I guess you did say it was one of the more
0: watchable segments. Yeah. I, I, um, and, and if this had been the last we saw of either guy on the show... I think this would have been great. I think this would have been a great way to get heat on uh, on Goldberg and build up the feud between these two guys. Yeah,
2: and I'm, I'm even okay with the cat stopping the match. Mm-hmm. I think they didn't explain it properly. I think they could have yeah. said, Goldberg wins by knockout, but... Uh, you make it up as you go yes. along, say, in, in WCW titles cannot change due to, like, due mm-hmm. to due to TKO or yeah. something. You know, which is,
0: which well, is I would fine. I find if this just—if the bell never rang, and this was just these two guys fighting. Yeah, that's, this is that's not fine the too. official match. Booker—Cat uh, comes out. This isn't a, a real match. This was not the match that was supposed to happen, and he maybe throws yeah. Goldberg out of the building. You know, same way to kind of check all the boxes, I guess.
1: I guess the biggest thing for me is, again, I hate to keep going back to it. Maybe this is my version of uh, integrity, you know, for Zach. Uh, But alignment is something (laughs) that keeps giving me me trouble on this episode, man, Mm -hmm. because it's hard to feel what I'm, you know, it's hard to know what they want me to feel because things are so confusing right now. You know, you've got. Babyface? face question mark goldberg doing very heelish actions you've got the baby face champion booker t who comes off looking a little bit weak you know having to to be ostensibly saved by his brother who again does stevie ray have the right or the you know the the legal ramifications uh does he you know is he allowed to throw in the towel for booker t when he's not his manager you know he's mm-hmm. just his brother like does that count uh ernest miller who is our commissioner here like he's not to mention the fact that we just saw him get beat up and he really shouldn't be on the show right now. <laughs> uh, but is is he the healer? Is he the face? And so when you got these characters that are so much of that Vince Russo shades of gray, it's hard to get invested because everybody just kind of ends up looking weaker for it, I think. And so while, yes, this wasn't a bad segment, this wasn't the worst segment on the show, but I don't think they achieved what they wanted to achieve because everything was so muddled in terms of Who's the, who's the quote-unquote good guy and who's the bad guy?
0: We go back to the cat's office where Booker tells the cat to restart the match with Goldberg. The, chap, the champ demands that he face Goldberg tonight, and the cat agrees. By Russo terms, this is a slow build. We go back to the arena where Buff Bagwell comes out with his mother, Judy. Yes, Buff keeps bringing his mom to TV even though she gets attacked week after week. Canyon's music plays, but he doesn't come out. Judy then curses out Canyon and tells him to get his chicken shit ass out here. More of that cursing. You are a fan of Zach. <laughs> I'm a big fan of cursing. Uh, nothing gets a baby face over more than watching his mother fight his battles for him. Buff says he
1: wins. right well, now are you up. okay?
2: <laughs> you just have a stroke? <laughs> what, what just happened? It's,
1: it's, I, 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 I must, have caught, must have caught the vapors or something. But it's just the <laughs> weird, weird. Way. Why? Why in the yes. year 2000 are we still dealing with judy bagwell on on, on national tv
0: (laughs) so uh nate smells toast (laughs) buff says he wins by count out and asks that his music plays he and his mom then dance together as the cameraman puts his camera down in protest just kidding uh the cameraman is revealed to be canyon in makeup this advantage is worth noting as uh This advantage is worth nothing as Buff quickly throws him out of the ring. Canyon then sneaks up from behind and gives Buff the canyon cutter. Canyon then stalks Judy to the back. Canyon catches up with Judy, shoves her in the trunk of his car, and drives off. Booker then hops uh, into—Buff then hops into his own car and gives chase. Um, Nate, how has Canyon gone from the guy impersonating DDP to kidnapping
1: people's mothers? I mean, to be fair, this segment did involve Canyon in a disguise, so maybe his his power set has evolved from just being able to <laughs> He got mimic one of those playing cards. Yeah, maybe he's like the master of disguise now, where he can just imitate anybody. But the other thing about this segment... Yeah, he's Dana, first of all, Carvey. Up, he's Dana Carvey. He's Dana Carvey. He's trying to get Carvey. into the Turtle Club. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing about this segment, though, guys, is one, like you mentioned, Brian... Why should we feel sympathy for Buff or Judy when they keep putting themselves in this position? And number two, what 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 about this made sense from a Canyon standpoint? Like, he had to spend all day getting made up to look like this cameraman, lost the match, which would presumably affect his pay cut from the show, yeah. uh, and then he attacks Buff. It's not really a successful attack, at least not at the beginning. He kidnaps Judy, and then we're, we're led on this... O.J. Simpson-like chase down the, the streets of Cleveland uh, where, where uh, Canyon has absconded with Judy Bagwell. So, yes, this this entire segment, uh, as much as I love Chris Canyon, this segment did nothing for me, man, except make me dislike someone's mother. and That should never be the goal of a TV segment.
0: Also, it was... Was Canyon, like, was he just privy of the rundown and knew when Buff was going to be coming out? Or was he running this camera
1: all night until In my mind, he was there all night. He he got it. Well, maybe that's why he didn't care about losing the match, because he got his paycheck from being a cameraman for that night. There you go.
2: And, Brian, you did forget to mention the the Mark Madden line here. Oh, what did he say? He Nate, do you remember exactly what he said?
1: He's, I, guess, I, tr- I try to block out the, the words of the character of Mark Madden. <laughs> no, he says something like, is, is Canyon
2: getting paid so little that he has to have a job as a cameraman?
1: Yes, 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 yeah. Way, way to undercut your company. <laughs> Great line, but way to undercut your company. <laughs> it was kind of Bobby
2: Heenan-esque, yes, that line. it was. Uh, Just comment
0: on how dumb what you're watching it's is. It's a
2: legitimately like pretty funny line. Uh, I didn't yes. hate this segment. I do have a Buff Bagwell story. Oh, yes. Um, This is from my time working at... (laughs) I wish I had a Buff
0: Bagwell story, but I've never read The Man. This
2: is during my time at at Mm -hmm. WWE.com. Now, I forget how it happened. Right. But I got Buff Bagwell's phone number.
0: Okay. We were... Do you still have it? uh,
2: I believe I do, yeah. Okay. We'll talk Uh, about that after the show. (laughs) um, We... Uh, We we wanted to do—we always had these ideas for, like, to do articles about really niche parts of wrestling Mm -hmm. and to do, like, little mini oral histories about these um, really kind of uh, quirky parts of Mm -hmm. wrestling history. This is the the
0: article I think it is. I I really enjoyed this when it came out, yeah.
2: So this was an article called The Most Awkward Match Ever, Mm -hmm. and it was the match when, after WWE acquired Mm -hmm. WCW—I believe there were two instances of this— this is the first and most infamous one. Yeah, they turned Raw into WCW for the main for, event. For the main event, mm-hmm. and they literally had announcers come out. They changed all. Did the you talk A- to Scott, Scott Hudson logos. for that? I I remember messaging Scott okay. Hudson on LinkedIn and not hearing back. Damn, this is these are the tools that we had at our disposal <laughs> at www.com, Brian. Um, but, uh, no, we—and we, we and it was a—it was uh, Booker T versus Buff, Buff Bagwell. In Tacoma,
0: Washington, uh, which is the crazy thing. Yep. Instead of waiting a week when they were going to be in Atlanta to right. do the WCW match, which would make the most sense.
2: And we talked about it in the story, and um, I interviewed Booker for it. I interviewed JR for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe I interviewed Austin about yeah. this because Austin was involved. Did you
0: talked to Arn because Arn was one of the guys on commentary. I
2: don't remember. I think okay. I did, but he like didn't want to talk about it. Arn was real, gotcha. honestly, really difficult to deal with. Backstage. Oh, really? He was always nice with me, but okay. um, he, you know, he's just one of these tough guys. When he sees some nerdy Jew walking around getting quotes <laughs> on a recorder, he's like, "What is this? <laughs> uh, where's, <laughs> where's Tully?" <laughs> uh, but. Uh, uh, even though me and Aaron kind of have a similar build. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I, for, I forget exactly how. I think his phone number might even be on his website or something. Okay. But Or maybe I got the phone number a different way. I don't remember. And I called him. Mm-hmm. And he answered the phone really angrily. Hello? You know, something like that. Yeah. And I don't remember verbatim what happened, but it was something like, Hi, Mr. Bagwell. Mm-hmm. My name is Zach Linder. I'm a writer for WWE.com. Was wondering if you'd like to have a call with us. We're doing this story about a match you had on Raw. Mm -hmm. Email me. (laughs) Uh, Oh, all right. Do you want me to? Do you want to just like do the interview over email? Email me. (laughs) Oh, is this? um, uh, Do do I go to therealbuff.com? I think therealbuff.com (laughs) email. I was like. Right, is, it, is it buff at therealbuff.com? <laughs> like realbuff.com is a URL. It's not, it's not an, an email address. address. And I remember him. I remember he said, son, you're running out of things to say and then hung up on me. <laughs> That's almost uh, word for word yeah. what my conversation with him was like. And did you end up getting to talk uh, to him? I emailed him. Yes. <laughs> As he requested. <laughs> Turns out if you go to his website and click around enough, you do find an email address. Okay, but
0: it's easier to find his personal phone number, which is what you call. <laughs>
2: so, I guess I don't I don't remember all the yeah. details and I emailed him and he he wrote back I think like with a, like a one or two word response like what it <laughs> yeah. You know something like that? Yeah. Like, like this is not helpful. And I remember I emailed him back, like trying to explain, and I never heard. I get, heard back yeah. again, and so he was not involved in the piece. So I think that's we actually, weird because uh, we didn't we didn't normally have something like this, but I yeah. think we did did have in this piece. Buff Bagwell declined to comment for this story. Okay. And we didn't often put something like that, but I believe I I believe it's still online. If listeners want to look yeah. at it, I mean you can Google the most awkward match ever, WW.com, mm-hmm. something like that. That's so
0: weird because um uh, our buddies uh John Pollock and uh, Wei Ting, they um when they reviewed that that nitro, he actually just came on their podcast and did like a 15-minute conversation about it and how he thought it was like this big conspiracy to bomb it from the beginning because he was like, why didn't they just wait a week when they're in Atlanta? That would make the most sense. And he thought they purposely sent him out there to to die and to kill WCW on purpose was like his whole idea behind why it went down that way. Yeah,
2: I mean, I've heard that um, dealing with Buff Bagwell is really
0: hit or miss. There's most- a reason his career went the way it did.
2: I yeah, think. and and I, and honestly, if you read that story on dot com, I I believe Jr. and Booker talk about it, yeah. and uh, I think we mm. we cut out a lot of the more controversial things they said, but mm. uh, there's innuendo in there that implies why he was not successful in WWE. Yeah, um, but uh, you know I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm kind of buddies with Colt Cabana, and I remember telling Colt about this at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and saying, hey, I had this really bad experience with Buff Bagwell. Yeah. And Colt had nothing but nice things to say about oh, Buff. Oh, Buff had
0: a great uh, interview with him on his, on his show.
2: Well, I remember they had a really great match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a good attraction match. Yeah. At... Uh, I, I guess it was Pro Wrestling Syndicate back then mm-hmm. in, in New Jersey, right? And, um, and and I knew that that Colt had a good. I think I knew that Colt had a good relationship with him, so I asked him, you know, hey, w- why do you think Buff did this? And he's like, I don't know, dude. Like, yeah. I, think you, I think with Buff, it's like hit or miss. If you if you just like him just, at the wrong time, yeah. If you if you just woke up from a nap, like you know, like maybe yeah. he's, he's just, <laughs> just gonna be mean to
1: you, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'd
2: think that if, like, I just love that if WWE, sorry, I just love that Buff's
1: best. Promo was uh, coming up against the uh, WWE.com guy. <laughs> I'm going to use that line in in, in my everyday life. Son, Email me. You're running out of things to say. <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's so weird because like if you're Buff Bagwell,
1: yeah, and WWE is
2: calling you, you WWE think... probably has not called him before in a while. Yes. Some time start right.
0: start that relationship off up, up good.
2: And if I'm calling him from a 203 area code, mm-hmm. and yep. I'm saying I'm identifying myself as from WWE, like. Like being mean is probably not the attitude that you yeah. want to drum. Well, this is the probably in or. his
0: gigolo days, right? Oh god. So I think he had moved on to uh, his second act in life. Yeah.
2: Well, there was an That's why the phone level was so prevalent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so back to this show and back to Pamela Polshuck, who is with Kidman, and he asks her and she asks him about his match against the franchise at the pay-per-view. However, instead Kidman just talks about the pornography that he hopes to show on national television. Shane Douglas then comes out with Tori Wilson and cuts a Cheap Heat promo on Cleveland. The fat chick thriller Mike Awesome then comes out with an entourage of plus-sized women who struggle to get in the ring. The match starts and Awesome works over Douglas in the corner, then clotheslines him over the top rope. Awesome then hits an impressive springboard splash from the top rope. Tori hops on Awesome and as he tries to get in the ring. This allows Douglas to snap Awesome's neck on the top rope. Douglas gets a gourd buster and a rolling net snap. Awesome then comes back with a belly-to-belly suplex for a two. Awesome nails a standing spine buster, goes to the top, but Tori grabs his leg. Douglas then wraps a chain around his fist and nails Awesome. Douglas sets up a superplex, but then Billy's sex tape begins playing on the big screen. Mm -hmm. This distraction allows Awesome to shove Douglas off and give him... Hit him with just a dumbbell over the head. I don't know where this thing came from, but he came off the top rope carrying a dumbbell, hit Douglas with it, got the win... Kidman then hits the entryway with Tori's thong, and she chases him. Lance Storm then tries to run in, but he gets Awesome bombed instead. Um, Grading on a curve, um, I thought this was maybe uh, the first thing in a while that actually resembled a wrestling match. So I'll hold my tongue a little bit. I thought Franchise and Awesome actually had a pretty good um, chemistry here from their ECW days. And I don't know if
2: they ever encountered each other in ECW. Uh, Okay, maybe, but you know. Uh, Shane Douglas's heyday in ECW was, mm-hmm. you know, uh much earlier than that. Right. You know, ninety four, maybe even ninety five, and then okay. he went to WWE. I just assume they'd they'd
0: cross paths. It's very possible.
2: Okay. Um but uh they I don't think they ever and I could be wrong, but I don't think they ever had a big time match in E C W. Okay. Mike Awesome really reached his peak with that Masato Tanaka feud. And that was in like 90, yep. 99? Yeah, ninety nine, even into two thousand, I think. But um, Uh, Yeah, it was definitely into 2000 um, uh, because it was after the whole Taz thing. But, um, man, watching this, I just couldn't get past the idea. Can you imagine? Like, we're getting Mike Awesome versus Shane Douglas. Mm -hmm. In most other situations, this is like a dream match. Right. I don't hate... The gimmick that they
0: used for Mike Awesome, I know it's yeah. very controversial. I, I would say, I, I think it's just because he was literally this this career killer. That was his moniker, right? And then two weeks later, Russo's back and he's Fat Chick Thriller, which is right. just and
2: I, this is after the seventies thing. Like too, that's right.
0: You give that to Norman Smiley. You don't give that to Mike Awesome, right? And
2: <laughs> but right, the gimmick, like. That gimmick has its place on a wrestling show in 2000, I think. I think it's just unfortunate that Mike Awesome was saddled with it. Mike Awesome was legitimately one of the most physically talented guys. Oh, yeah. That
0: springboard that he did over the top rope in this match was incredible. He he was incredible. And... He was one
2: of the most exhilarating guys to see live in mm. an elk's lodge. Like absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. So I think it's unfortunate um, that we're getting Shane Douglas versus Mike Awesome, and it's and it's this, and it's built yeah. around a Billy Kidman sex tape. But um, uh, I, take I don't, what you can get. What's that? Take what you can get. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, I, you know, it's not the disaster mm-hmm. that you hear about with WCW so often. Right. And I think there were much much worse moments than this. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my take.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think when you talk about Mike Awesome, if we look at the fat chick thriller gimmick in a vacuum, yeah. it's not the worst thing ever. It's not great, but it's, it's certainly not the worst thing. But when you add that to that 70s guy, when you add that to being Kimberly Page's bodyguard that never says a word, it just shows you how much time they wasted on this dude because, like you said, man, he he can go in the ring. He was extremely over that first night when he debuted in WCW. But I feel like – and this is not a problem that's uh, specific to Awesome Only. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of guys in this roster that, that are that are hungry and that are willing to go out there and work really hard. But the, the creative behind them does not support that. And so while I enjoy this match, I mm-hmm. think you could make the argument that this is probably – Douglas's best match we've seen in a long time oh, on, definitely. on this program. Uh, yeah, Shane Douglas it, is awesome. Shane Douglas is like yeah, a
2: legend and,
0: in the business. He hasn't been very good this year. He's kind of been checked out, but here he was—he was putting in work. He, he was, was a smart guy, yeah. and he
2: probably noticed that this is a that the the company's in the toilet bowl, and he's gonna yeah. phone it in every week.
1: Hmm. <laughs> but then, with this one, I was like, yeah, it's cool. On the one hand, we get Mike Awesome, but then we have the the Billy Kidman of it all. Uh, and so that's another guy on the show who I thought took up a lot of TV time. But ultimately, what did they do with Kidman? Exactly. Like, is he any better after this episode than he was when we started the show?
0: No, he's literally at 1%. We have the mathematical proof <laughs> <laughs> of where he's at. Uh, Outside's where, where fans think of him, and that's where his iPhone battery is. <laughs> <laughs> outside the production truck, Douglas beats up a video technician. Back in the arena, Kidman walks into the <laughs> ring with his tape and Tori's panties. <laughs> Kidman says he's made enough copies for the entire crowd and everyone in the back. What is this, the Rosie O'Donnell show? <laughs> he's going to start throwing out coosh balls.
1: He then cut... Also, also Billy Kidman, you know, somebody who has done plenty of video production in, in their time. That's not cheap, man, mass producing all those no, videotapes. No. How did you can... do that? <laughs> He, how did, he, did you do that?
0: Gina, a tape trading site. <laughs> we then cut backstage <laughs> to see the young dragons and Kiwi watching the tape. Everyone is getting aroused watching their coworkers fuck <laughs> Kiwi, right? Kiwi. Back in the truck, Douglas promises to kill Kidman. So this is the payoff. Um, this is our big story long show long uh, angle. Boy Russo knows how to. He knows how to write them, doesn't he? An
2: admission of. Uh, premeditated homicide by <laughs> Shane Douglas,
1: and also wouldn't Shane Douglas have a case? Uh, you know, we don't, you know, you don't want to drag this too much into the real world, but that's sexual harassment on, on, on the highest level that Billy Kidman has just committed here. Oh, so and, I, I think and revenge. Shane porn. Douglas I mean, would be things. wise to not try to kill this man, but take him to the courts and, and get that money. Agreed. Agreed. So
0: that's what we've spent multiple segments tonight was building up this sex tape. That's how it uh, was paid off keep that in mind when out of nowhere the caged heat wcw's hell in a cell ripoff is suddenly lowered around the ring is there a roof there's a roof on it right
2: because they fight on the roof okay
0: because we're about to have a four-way tag team match inside of this structure nope i didn't forget to mention anything i didn't skip over a segment this is the first time on the entire show that this was mentioned tony explains that the object of the match is to escape the cage because whichever team is left in the cage will be eliminated from the four-way match for the tag titles at the pay-per-view so you actually cannot win this match but you can lose it (laughs) russo's back baby this is this was very bad this was awful this was the worst thing on the show and it lasted 10 minutes and i think by the booking of what happened after this it clearly went on about twice as long as what it was supposed to do um, so our four teams in this match are Jindrak and O'Hare, the Filthy Animals, the Perfect Event, and the Misfits in Action. So we've got eight men in one cage, and it's impossible to follow. On commentary, Canyon says there's so many green guys in the ring, it looks like an avocado farm. And all it- says that? Uh, Canyon says that on commentary. Why
2: is Canyon on commentary?
0: Because he does that for every Filthy Animals match. He then also implied that Tigress fucks all of them, whatever they need, and Tigress is like, "Yeah, whatever. I'm here." Why for does this.
2: Canyon do that for Filthy Animals matches? Is Canyon. Conan. Fil- oh, Conan. Conan.
0: <laughs> Did I say Canyon? You said Canyon. Well, let yes. Me, let me go ahead and, and say Canyon that again. on the brain. On commentary, Conan says, "There's so many green guys in the ring. It looks like an avocado farm. And all of this meaningless brawling." Uh, the filthy animals throw Jindrak and O'Hare out of the cage, seemingly forgetting the point of the match. The perfect event are then the next team to escape. They simply walk out. Morris then goes to the top, uh, goes... Morris then goes to the top for a moonsault on Ray, but Hoovy trips him, allowing Ray to give Morris the Bronco Buster. Perfect event, then locked the cage door for zero fucking reason. Conan just so happens to have some bolt cutters. Disco Inferno then appears on top of the cage, and he opens a hole in the ceiling. Meanwhile, so What is Disco Inferno's— Disco is with the filthy animals right now. Why? He just wanted to be with his friends. That's literally the exact line that he said. He said to the cat, I want to be with my friends, and they put him with the filthy animals. Meanwhile, Ray and Hoovey set up a ladder in the ring as the announcers explains is all Mexican strategy to keep the MIA out of the title match. (laughs) Ray and Hoovey then go to the top of the ladder and dive on MIA rather than escape from the cage. Conan then cuts the lock on the door, so there's no reason to lock it in the first place. Morris climbs the roof, and he starts to beat up Disco. Hoovey and Lash stumble out of the door, and the announcers admit that they are completely lost. They don't know what the rules of this match are at this point. Disco and Morris continue to brawl on the roof as Hoovy and Conan set up a table on the outside. Lash nails Conan and he sets up Hoovy on the table. Morris signals for a dive off the roof of the cage but but Ray attacks him. Somehow, Lash gets put through the table but the camera missed it. So we now have Horace and Ray back, or we we now have Morris and Ray back in the ring. The commentary team has just given up any attempt to explain what is happening. Ray goes for a Frankensteiner but Morris counters into a Power bomb. Morris climbs out of the cage, eliminating the filthy animals from the pay-per-view. We then cut to the back less than three seconds after the bell rang. Um, this thing went almost 10 minutes. I couldn't follow a single second of it. Uh, I, I I don't know what to say about this. Um, you couldn't have announced this at least once earlier in the night. Try to explain what it was. Mm. I mean, this was this was just insane. It was really bad.
2: Yes, yes it uh, was. I have nothing else to say about this. Um... <laughs> uh, I thought the worst part of the match was the teams that were winning throughout that kept leaving through the door. Yes. No one was like
0: stopping Mm. them from going through the door and that's like how you win? Well, because apparently that was Mexican strategy. They kept saying. I mean, here's the thing. If we're <laughs> hanging this cage above the S- ring. It
2: seems racist, right?
0: <laughs> well, Conan said it <laughs> first. So, uh, he, Conan can still be racist. That's true. And Conan's not actually from I Mexico. say horrible things about Jews all <laughs> the time. <laughs> so my thing is, if we have this structure hanging above the ring, and we're going to do a 10-minute match here, wouldn't it be better to put over Booker if he and Goldberg had a match in this structure for 10 minutes? yes. Okay, good. (laughs) I just wanted to know I wasn't insane thinking that. Uh, Nate, what did you think of, of, I can't even call it a match.
1: I did not like this at all. And I understand when you're watching a pro wrestling show, you you kind of have to live in the world that the company creates. But within that world, you have to have some consistent logic. You know, I, I, as the listeners know, man, I, I'm big into the superhero stuff, all the CW shows, all the Marvel movies, but there's a consistent what logic else? in most of those. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a consistent logic in those shows. You know, when, when when Black Panther uses vibranium, he doesn't also take the vibranium and turn it into a plane that can fly him out of nowhere with no explanation. And and so, you know, there has to be rules that, that you follow within this world you create. And so to have a match... Where we've got these four teams, and they're fighting inside of a steel cage for not the chance to win the, not the chance to uh face the world champions, not the chance to, you know, get a title match at, at the pay per view, but for the opportunity to be one of the three teams left in the running, right. in the standings. For they're, an they're fighting
0: to not be eliminated from a match that yes. they're already in.
1: It's it, it's very backwards because at the end of all of this, we got to have a match with two teams. And so it feels like this should be the culmination of the path that whichever team you want to face, uh, Chronic, this should be the culmination of that path. That they fight for the mm-hmm. titles in a steel cage, not let's start our journey in the steel cage and work our way back from there. It, it, yeah. It, it was very confusing. Uh, I, you know, obviously I'm African American. I'm not uh, Hispanic. <laughs> Hold <Muslim>. on. <laughs> and, and so you know, maybe I just don't understand Mexican strategy. Maybe that's <laughs> it's a cultural thing. There, there's a cultural wall in between me and Mexico, and I just didn't get it.
2: If I was going to make a comparison, by the way, Nate, I would say this is Age of Ultron because it's big budget, mm-hmm. wild disappointment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at least Age of Ultron had a – who's my man uh, that played Ultron? James Spader. Yes, yeah. they had Spader. Spader this guy got no a paycheck. James Spader.
0: Uh We then go backstage where Stevie I Ray. Love the episode of Marvel where George stretches out the <laughs> neck hole on James Spader's sweater. <laughs> 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 we then go backstage where Stevie Ray gives Booker a prep. We then go backstage where Booker T gives Booker a pep talk. We then abruptly cut to a replay of something we hadn't actually seen in the first place, Goldberg throwing Stevie Ray through a glass window backstage. I I think this confirms my theory that uh, that cage match just went on way too long, and they're going to jam-pack the rest of the show here. So, Stevie is then shown being loaded into an ambulance. Main event time. Goldberg gets his extended entrance from the dressing room. The announcers call Goldberg a remorseless maniac, so I guess he's a heel again, guys. Booker attacks Goldberg from behind during his entrance. Goldberg gets gets in a sidekick and throws Booker into the ring. As Goldberg enters the ring... as Goldberg enters the ring, Booker hits him with an axe kick. Booker tries for a crossbody, but he gets slammed. Jeff Jarrett then runs down with a chair. Jarrett hits Goldberg in the back, for whatever reason. Goldberg no-sells the attack and spears Jarrett. The cat then runs down and gives Goldberg, the feline, or a kick. Goldberg gets up again and nails the cat. Booker then lands a sidekick. Char- Goldberg gets right back up, charges at Booker, but gets caught with a bookend for the one, two, three. Just like that, Booker defeats the unbeatable Goldberg in less than two and a half minutes. Goldberg pops up instantly. Spears and jackhammers the champ. Booker then beats up security as the show ends. Um, I think this made everyone involved look awful. Goldberg gets beat in less than three minutes. Booker needs the help of three other guys uh, to win a match. This should not have been the match you throw away on an episode of Nitro. This should have been Booker's ultimate challenge. This should have been the thing that makes him... The guy at Starcade in five months, not this right here.
2: I I mean I agree with you, Brian. Um, I don't mind what happened here. Okay. I don't mind Booker being put over Strong to have him pin the unbeatable right. Goldberg. But we had. But I agree. Took, yeah. The, the way the it happened. Yeah. I agree. The way it happened is is garbage. Mm-hmm. The way we arrived at it was bad. Right, it's a two and a half minute match, and and Goldberg gets shockingly beat by Booker T, mm-hmm.
0: and pops up right away. So it isn't even that Booker beat him; it's that he got a fluke for he just it just happened. It just so happened he got those those three seconds. If he had pinned him a second later, he couldn't have done it. I like Booker T
2: beating Goldberg.
0: So do I, but I, I don't like be anything else. else. Yes. yes, right. We agree yeah. on that.
1: Yeah, and I was actually surprised when I was watching this because I did not remember the finish of this match, you know, going back 18 years prior. And so I thought that it was either going to end in a no contest or, uh, some way to keep Booker from pinning Goldberg. I didn't think they were going to give that away on free TV. Uh, but lo and behold, they did. And so it was, it was a bittersweet surprise. It was like, if Brian, Mann, if you sent me a care package with, delicious cookies and and coffees and teas much like you're drinking right now but the <laughs> no he the, finished the his
2: tea nate
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. But, but the cookies are stale and the tea bags are open and the the coffee that you sent the grounds have all spilled inside the package and so i'm left with this box full of ingredients that could be made into something beautiful but instead i'm just disappointed at my friend Brian Mann, and that's how I felt at the end of this match. I would just kind of, like, I like Booker. I, I like Goldberg. I like the, the people involved in this, but I think there was a better way to position them, particularly if you want this to be a big match heading into the pay-per-view. I, I just thought that we didn't need a lot of the Jeff Jarrett stuff as much as I think Jeff Jarrett is a, a fine professional wrestler. We didn't need him in, in this segment, but... Booker, Penny Goldberg was cool, so I can't hate on it completely. I think it's more like those Entenmann's
2: chocolate frosted donuts with the yellow cake in the middle. You put them in the fridge, then you take, you ever put those Entenmann's donuts in the fridge? Never done that, actually. Oh, you take one out, and that you got that,
0: the, the, the chocolate frosting is all is all cold and crack, kind of crackles when you mm. bite into Damn. it. I'm going to need to do that, because I, I am a, fa- a fan of putting sweets in the fridge. Yeah. I, anyway, I think it's more like that. <laughs>
1: See, the thing, though, with that, though, is you can rectify that situation by dunking it in some nice milk. And then the milk warms it up and gives you that wonderful – you got the, the 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 stiffness, the firmness of the cold chocolate. And then the inside, the yellow cake is mushy because of the milk, and it's a delightful treat. We didn't have any milk in this match. There was no milk – well, there was no
0: milk to dip this entire nitro in. I, I know I'm fairly thumbs down. Uh, where are you guys coming down on, on, on this as a whole?
1: Nate, why don't you go first? It wasn't the best show I've ever seen. Uh, it wasn't even the best WCW Nitro from the year 2000 that I've seen. But I will disagree with you, Brian, man, that this was one of the worst episodes that we've seen because I, I enjoyed the Lance Storm stuff off the top. I enjoyed, uh, you know, the Booker promo and the Goldberg interaction in the beginning. Uh, you know, that Shane Douglas Mike Awesome match was a pleasant surprise. So there was enough to keep it from being you know, the most dreadful thing I've ever watched, but it wasn't a great professional wrestling show by any stretch. I'm right there with you. It's thumbs very solidly in the middle for me.
0: Yeah.
2: It's not a good wrestling show. It is not a total embarrassment. Mm-hmm. I have seen a lot of nitro segments that are horrible that I, I don't think any segment on this show compares with yeah. uh, some of the worst that I've seen. Well, the
0: week after uh, this was all setting up Shane Douglas and Billy Kidman in a, Vi- a uh, Viagra on a pole match.
2: But Vince Russo loved putting things on poles. Yes, I'm not
0: gonna touch that with a ten foot pole. <laughs> uh, so even though we are, are I've are, done comedy professionally. <laughs> <laughs> so even though uh, our our thoughts are are mixed, this is uh, the part where we do our silver lining segment. We have to choose the one thing on the show, completely unvarnished, that we would say is a uh, unqualified positive. Uh, Zach, for you, what would that that silver lining be? Oh, without a doubt, it's. Uh,
2: the the beginnings of this Lance Storm storyline, yeah. where he wins mm. all three titles and put, mm-hmm. and gives them Canadian names, yeah. um, and I think uh, secondary to that is uh, uh, the 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 Mike the performances of Mike Awesome and Shane Douglas here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's certainly not a, a five star classic, but um, I think it's it's glimmers of hope of what WCW of what they, has here. And what they could have been. And you what, know, the, had what, they, been what they could have been, yeah. Um, uh, and I think that really committing to them, re- really, re- WCW committing to Booker T as the guy. Yeah. And committing to, at least in this episode, Goldberg as. Uh, a heel right um are are strong as well. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot positive here, honestly. I think there's it's more than just a silver lining. There are there are some sunny days in this episode too. Yeah. Um mm. so I don't I uh I, I don't think this is nearly as bad as what you messaged me before I came over okay. the podcast today. Okay. Yeah. What
1: what do you think about that Brian man?
2: Uh, yeah, you piece of shit. <laughs> <You> t- <laughs>
1: yeah. Hey, hey, hey! You, Buffett, you
0: Canadian piece of shit! Of words, watch son. your watch your language. This isn't a nitro. How about you, Nate? <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I, I will echo uh, Zach's sentiments on the uh, Lance Storm uh, segment of the show. I, I thought that that was pretty cool. Just the way that this, the fact that they let the uh, national anthem play out, and uh, you know, the match wasn't bad with him and Vito. Uh, the Booker stuff was good. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the hell was going on with your boy Buff and Judy and, and Canyon. Uh, the Billy Kidman stuff made me sad, uh, but not as sad as seeing how far the Great Muda has fallen. Uh, but if I'm if I'm picking out the silver lining, the best thing from this episode, I think it might have to be that Shane Douglas Mike Awesome match because okay. it's been a it's been a while since we've had a really good franchise match on this show, and I thought that. You know, if you just isolate that match and don't pay attention to the Kidman stuff and don't pay attention to the Fat Chick Thriller, it's a really good match between two really good professional wrestlers. So I, that, that was probably my favorite thing on the show. Okay.
0: Uh, and for me, I would say probably my, my silver lining. Um, I'm going to give a silver lining to WCW.com. They tried something. Uh, oh, yeah,
1: that's
2: another good idea. They yeah. tried
0: uh, they tried something new, and uh, as far as I can tell, yeah. WCW.com held up their end of the bargain. Uh, you know, they might not have, uh, used that data in the best way, but they, they delivered some, some, (laughs) some intriguing, uh, fan thoughts, uh, I would say. Uh, but that, that is, uh, you know, uh, the show and we want to thank you for completing another experiment with us. But before we head out, um, so that that Brian just threw up, (laughs) I threw up, I cut it out, um, (laughs) So, Zach, thank you uh, for, for stopping by. If, if the audience would like uh, more Zach in their life, where, where can they find you? I tweet. Yeah?
2: Uh, at Zach Linder, Z-A-C-H-L-I-N-D-E-R. Same thing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do quite a bit of traveling you sure around uh, Europe. Uh, and I post a lot of uh, travel photos on my Instagram and on my story. And I'm headed to— And a lot of food as well. A lot of food, yeah. Not, I think that I get pigeonholed in that a little bit. I think it's not.
0: I'm not as just a food, food guy.
2: I'm not just a food guy. Okay, it's also <laughs> pictures of buildings. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I uh, I'm headed to uh, to Europe uh, a week from tomorrow. Heading okay. to to Denmark, Germany, and Austria. Oh nice. So I should be posting some stuff on my story and on my Instagram. Uh, from those places as well. And, and on my Twitter, it's mostly just uh,
0: sad tweets about the Mets uh, <laughs> and sadder tweets about pro wrestling. <laughs> and thank <laughs> you for completing another experiment with us. Uh, if you haven't already, please rate and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. If you have feedback, send it over to keepit2000pod at gmail.com. Dot com. And if you want more of me, I'm at Brian Maxman all over the internet. Uh, and Nate, as always, I'm going to toss over to you Give the people the good word to hold them over until our next trial.
1: Yes, uh, I want to shout out the listeners for completing another uh, wonderful test with us. Uh, again, give another shout out to Brother Zach for enduring uh, this episode of WCW Nitro with us. And if you want to hear more from me, you can check me out on Twitter at in the number 8, M-O-Z-A-I-K, at Nate Mosaic. Uh but like you said, Brian, I like to wrap things up each and every week with some words of wisdom that ties back into what we've just experienced. And so I think I'm going to leave us with the wise words of Matchbox 20 or, or is it three doors down or semi sonic <laughs> candle box? Uh, I, th- I think it's Matchbox 20, though, uh, because it is lyrics from the song Bent. And, and I hope you apply this to your everyday lives and what we've just watched this week. This shouldn't be so complicated, Vince Russo. Just hold me and then just hold me again. Can you help this product because it's bent and I am so scared that you'll never get it put back together again.